negotiate that at a very young age. Uh, start and play well and do extremely well for a, a, a team like Blue America at a very young age against that kind of competition. Because, you know, that's, you know, people wonder, you know, why we'll see $17 million to Ajax. That's the reason why. He was a proven talent at a very young age, and his, you know, his, his skills are only going to get better. His I mean, and they went in there, and they gave him a great reception. He's the first Mexican to join Ajax, and they handed him the number four jersey. Like, yo, you are now filling in some big shoes, but, you know, we obviously invested in you, and I think that's the kind of confidence that, that you want going into a club like that. And uh, I'm excited to see how he does out there because I've seen a lot of Dutch league and the biggest Achilles heel for the Dutch league is defense. It's terrible. And that's why Chucky scores so many goals there because the defense is just whack. And uh, hopefully Edson can, can show him how it's done. Yes, we uh, not having a Champions League that I think they're going to they're gonna cash him in. Yeah, because there was supposedly renewed interest from Napoli. Would Serie A be the place for the Chuck? For the I think, Chuck he, could, I think he, he could do well in Serie A. Yeah, it's a definitely tougher league. Napoli? It's one of those leagues that if you do well there, you, you, you're going to do, you could do good in any other league. That's right. If you, if you could play, if you could be a good offensive player in Serie A, that says a lot. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Uh, they're the toughest defenders. I think it would be a good move for him, a good test. I mean, it, it seemed like it was all set up, you know, and then he got injured on the last game of the season or last couple games of the season, and all these rumors just, boom, stopped like a train wreck, you know, but... Damaged goods right now. They have to make sure that he's okay. Yeah, you know, because to be honest, I think he's outgrown his, you know, the Dutch league. I think he's ready. I think he was ready before even with Pachuca, honestly. But, you know, obviously he did benefit from the move. And um, I'm ready. I'm ready for him to join a big club. Napoli would be great. I, I uh, spent some time in Napoli, and I fell in love with that city. So I've been finding an excuse to, like, support them, you know. And having a Mexican a, there would be awesome. They have a great uniform. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. I'm, Beautiful. It was really cool. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, it's a gangster-ass stadium and city you know it's like it, it just feels like a one of those old school coliseums where they used to throw the lines out to the gladiators like it's there's like cracks in it and stuff it's it's very intimidating atmosphere i went to a game on a wednesday on a wednesday night and it was like at half capacity but it was so loud it was back when Iwain still played there and they were just chanting his name and i'm like man if we could get a mexican out there and play for them oh it would be it would be amazing. Who, who was the match against, Jaime? Uh, it was Napoli versus, uh, ooh, is it Udinense? Udinense? Yeah. Udinese? Oh, no, no, no. No, it was uh, Palermo. They were pink. They were wearing okay. pink. Pink and it was, black. It was just a regular uh, Calcio game. But uh, I remember seeing like a midget on the field. I'm like, who is this short little man running around everywhere? And it was uh, Insigne. Man, that guy's like five four, but he is ridiculously fast. What was the name of the uh, of the guy that played for Juventus that was like 
had the Steve Martin disease with his hair. It was like like totally gray at like twenty eight. Oh, Ravanelli. Ravanelli. Did he ever play for Italy? Fabrizio Ravanelli. That dude was the tits. He was so good. <laughs> you know, he was like the like the Pony Ruiz of Pony Ruiz, uh, man. Of Serie A. Some of my friends, it's like out of all the players that that foreign players that played for Liga MX and you know ended up getting naturalizado, who would have you loved to see play for the national team? Obviously, th- that couldn't, you know, like a Cardoso or like a Pony Ruiz or uh, Alex Aguinaga. Like, imagine if they would have chose Mexico as their country, that would have been crazy. Yo, well, Pony Ruiz, I think he had been capped. As a youth Gina. player, yeah, and uh, and then they didn't use him for a long time. But yeah, I do think that guy would have him it and Borghetti. Oh man, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was one of my favorites. Him and Achita, man. I don't know why. Achita with didn't. the f- with the flat top, man. That guy, <laughs> dude. Yeah. I remember Teco's uh, <laughs> girl. Go ahead. Remember Teco's girl. Tecos, yes, I oh I I saw I, I saw that picture. It, to hang out with a cheetah. <laughs> incriminating picture. Um, <laughs> this, this girl posted. Uh, I'm gonna tell Jaime because I don't think he knows this story. So we were we were in the soccer forum and uh, this this girl man, this gringa was Oklahoma. She was studying in 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 Guadalajara. I think I think at UADG. And she's like, yeah, I, I know the tecos, you know, I know the players. And uh, I think they asked her for proof. And she posted a picture with three. It looked like a Motel 5. <laughs> it just sitting in the bed. <laughs> it looks so innocent, though. It looked innocent, but at the same time, it's like, what? what? It's just like two girls and four guys. It's, it's just, I don't know, man. And we got a, we got a live caller coming into the, to the podcast. Is that an injection of uh, an injection of uh, Jesus Christ? All right, man. So look, this is my first time calling right here. This is uh, your boy Eddie Hugo Sanchez, big soccer legend. Number one, you guys are fucking low levels of testosterone. Fucking, I don't know if you guys got pituitary issues or Mom, what, it's, man, it's but... midnight. No, mames, wey. Toma some pinche Red Bull algo, wey. A monster fucking blue one, man. Fucking low-carb, low-sugar, low-calorie, low-sodium. We're chill. No, mames, wey. Is this like an ASMR channel or what? We're chill. We got our feelings under control. We're chill, man. Jesus Christ. Go on with your take, man. We're chill. Anyway, yes. So, what? What's the topic? Who's that on the party line? We were talking about, uh, I don't know if you remember that picture with Teco's girl. And she's with, oh, yeah, uh, my girl. In the, in the hotel room with a cheetah and it, I don't know. It, it, uh, Livingstone. But... She, she used to date uh, Livingstone. Oh, I didn't know that. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, Livingstone was, uh, he was a Mexican uh, born to uh, Guadalajara. an American father. He had dual citizenship and uh, he was definitely... <laughs> Stuff. That was he was my secret weapon 
in like FIFA 03 or 04. Dude, he, you know, for a while. Wait, what? I mean, I don't How? Know. He, I looked, we didn't have Mexican camp? teams over there. I think he was. What happened? Eduardo Lillingston, right? That was the name. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was like a FIFA I think, I think he was like Eduardo Randy. <laughs> he, let me see. He, I mean, he looked like a Randy. Rusty. Yeah, he was born in Guadalajara. I remember that. He played for the U. Yeah, but he had a he had dual citizenship. He played for the U twenty. He he never got called up. No way. I thought he did. Like one of those fucking moleros probably. against like Venezuela. Yeah, he probably he probably got a partido molero in there. None of the picolins ever get called up. Ever. He could have been injured. Uh, Whoa, well, actually, common. the 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 portero oh, did get called portero up. Did, did like one, one, one call up. He did. That's the that. game I went to in Miami. Yeah, he got he got called up by uh, Juan Cambios. No way. Yeah. Picolin. Picolin. Yeah. Man, I interviewed. How him. desperate were we? I interviewed Jeez. him on the, yeah, on the was... podcast, man. I don't know about that. No, I I don't know. Uh, Mr. Landeros, but you know, Picolin is like sacred ground. Is he? Yet to tread lightly. I'm just saying, look, when, when the goalie position, one or we've never had an issue in the goalie position. Thank God. That's the one position where it doesn't matter what World Cup it is, we know we got that position covered. Well, except for 2010 when Pinche Conejo uh, Perez, I don't know what the fuck happened there. And uh, shout out to him for his re- retirement, finally. But, when uh, we had uh, Martin Del Palacio on the show uh, for our show, I think it was like show 100 even, and and he was he was plugging his book at the uh, the interview interview whatever it is entrevistador, and uh, he's talking about all the all the players he's got in where we know working where he works you know with FIFA and all that stuff like just listing like this gigantic a list of players you know, Mexicans from all you know Messi and all these guys from all over the world, so listen and we're, we're like. So is is Piccolini going to be in volume two or what? He said, I've never interviewed Piccolini. He was embarrassed. He was totally embarrassed by, by not interviewing Piccolini, much less wow. including him in his book. Yeah. That's crazy. Piccolini was like a, he was like a shitty version of Memo. He was like a, he was a shot blocker, you know, like a, a shittier, uglier version of Memo. <laughs> but I mean, dude, he was good enough to get called up for sure. I don't know. I mean, I don't see any merit behind uh, Jonathan Orozco, but he seems to get called up. And then Talavera was shaky as hell in the last uh, Gold Cup, yet he seems to be a fucking darling of the Mexican press. I'm not too sure why. And, you know, and we who's the 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 freaking uh, that one guy that we called up, the old man uh, from Veracruz, uh, prior to Jurado. Remember we called him up like uh, last season. Tonio. No, not Tonio. That was a while ago. I forget his name. That was no, like I'm sure uh, Juan remembers him. Um, Wait, Veracruz? It's one of those fucking shitty teams. It was like Sebastián Martínez or something. Saucedo? That guy? Yeah, Saucedo. No, 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 no. It was, a, it was another guy. He was like a flash in the pan. He had like a good two... Uh, the... oh, I know what you're talking about. And he ended, yeah. And... Uh... <clears throat> Oh man, the guy with the weird name. Jonathan oh, Rodriguez. Filiberto Fulgencio? No, not that guy. Now, 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 now. Oh, oh Maleton. Yeah, Maleton Martinez or some shit. Yeah, it was Maleton. He even got capped. Hugo Santos fits in here in the Cantina Mex podcast because he 
he has to like think. Well, see, thirty seconds. Okay, you know guy's... what? You know, you know, it's funny uh, you you mentioned that. I uh, and you know Jaime is over here. Always called me an old man, even though I'm like five years older than him. The thing is, I remember a day like before <laughs> Google, you know, or like even like search engines. <laughs> yeah. So when you had a good memory, like you know, Joel and I, we would always talk like back in the day, like on MSN Messenger. We went by like our memory, and like and the shit was fuzzy. And now anyone can Google stuff. Like back, dude, back then, like if you knew Rainbow Bright or like uh, I don't know, stupid cartoons like that, like G Force, it was funny. Now it's like available like at Target, and people are like, oh, what is that? And I don't know. There's just no, there's no glory behind having a good memory anymore. That and you know years of uh, drug use and Laziness. lack of sleep and. <laughs> Laziness nowadays. You don't need a memory. To his bag and cocktail waitresses two at a time. Players couldn't get a drink at the table. What's wrong? <laughs> exactly. Oh. Oh, yeah, but I, I like to try to think uh, instead of just you know going straight to the search engine myself. Oh, so we, you're telling us that we got a thinker on this show. Ah, we again, again, can't have. You know, can't I have, mean, I, I come thinker. prepared with notes, but. Uh, can't have thinkers on the show. Yeah, I got done working out, and I was checking out the uh, little Discord here, and I'm like, oh, here these guys go with their little podcast. I tune in, and it's like, you guys are like whispering in my ear, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, is, do I have problems with my volume, hey, or what's I going on? We, um, I think we might have a market now for ASMR Liga MX. I'm going to be the uh, <clears throat> the pioneer for that. And um, I just put it into my, you know, put, put on my headphones and just listen to you guys talk. You know, those... So let me ask you this, Hugo. Do you think Ochoa uh, has has the juice to keep going in Europe, or is it time for for him to come home? So every time we have this, uh, you know, debate about you know what's he doing over there, he has uh, a firm know, offer. Show, he really has a firm offer to come back right now. It, it is. It's obvious. yeah, but the, the the thing is this: every, every time we start talking about like you know, is he ruining his career, his legacy, or whatever? I mean, the guy is happy in Europe. Right? He's, I don't know, is he married to a Mexican chick, a French chick, a Spanish chick, whatever, but she seems to be pulling his, you know, strings. Um, and yet, you know, every every time this debate comes up and, he, you know, we have a tournament, he's fucking lights out, man. Uh, you know, it's, he showed it at the World Cup and he continues to show it, you know, I mean, yeah, granted it's the World Cup or whatever, but he's phenomenal for us. I think uh, he can continue to do whatever he wants, man. As far as injured. He played, he played the last game injured. He couldn't uh, play out with his feet very well. Right, right. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think he's. Uh, I think he's more secure in the air on in dead ball situations. Well, I, I mean, regardless, I mean, he's thirty four years old. You know, he's he's got a a family with three kids now. He just had his third kid. He's been on record as saying that he likes living in the in the, in, in the smallish European towns that, he, that he's that he's lived in. And uh, you know, the, does he want to go back to Mexico City? Yeah, I don't I mean, think he so. minds, but I think he has that spina clavada that he just had some bad luck. You know, you would hear all these names attached to him after really good World Cup performances, and and you see like Liverpool or or AC Milan, and then he ends up in Malaga. He doesn't play. I I, I I definitely think that he's got like a good eight years ago, and I mean I know that's. We're He's talking like David can... Seaman, Gigi Buffon, you know, levels of like playing. But I mean, the guy is not slowing down. Um, totally. Like you said, he likes that small town, you know, environment. As long as someone wants him, 
Um, I do. Be- I do. I mean, obviously, as a homer, I do believe that he's he can definitely fit into a a Liverpool, a Milan, a, you know, an, an Inter, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think be- I think before before all is said and done, he will have his shot. I mean, it might be like a Lazio or a Napoli type team, but hey, man, beggars can't be choosers at this point. I'd rather him be in Europe than in fucking the Galaxy or the LAFC. You know. The thing with me is like. This might be a hard pill to swallow, but I think he missed the train on landing a big club because there's not a club in Europe that's going to waste a foreigner spot on a 34-year-old goalkeeper. I think he's very close, though, to getting his EU. He's been there for seven years if he didn't have it by now. Yeah, I don't think he needs a big club. He did move. He messed up when he left France to Spain because I think if he would have stayed a year or two, he would have had it, and then he, he, he was, went to Spain. And He was one of the top goalkeepers in that 2014 World Cup. The The performance he did against Brazil alone should get you in a room with a big club. And I don't know who his agent is. He should have fired him a long time ago. But to go to Malaga is just like, come on, man. Like, we all knew and thought that he could do better than Malaga, especially after. But they were in the Champions League, or they had just played the Champions League. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a bad spot. But again, the problem was, was that uh, his competition and the, and the coach were never gonna. Yeah. He just was never gonna crack that nut. I mean, I mean, so that that's what we're talking about when you got to research these things. You know, is yeah. this a good fit? Yeah. I think he should stay. He should stay in Europe and try try to continue to work something out. He doesn't need to go to a big club. He's a goalkeeper. He has a lot more years to go, more years than a normal like on the field player. My whole argument though is like. Why would you stay and like at least stay in the Belgian league? Because if you're gonna go to Liga MX, that's a more competitive league. But I mean, I mean, really, does he? Goalkeepers, I mean, it's I mean, different. He's, as 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 Google points out, we we know what he can do. I mean, is, I mean, I, can can he get in the better? I mean, who, at this point, really, who can? I mean, he really, you know, he's he's proven that he's that he's an excellent goalkeeper. So just let him play wherever the f he wants. Yeah, if a little little team or you know a small team, whatever, as long as he gets playing time, his main highlight is going to be when he comes to the national team. That's when he's going to be uh, in the spotlight and with the real competition. Yeah, he's making he's making commercials not because he's playing for Standard Liège. If he was to go to America, yeah. I would like to but like him to go to America Memo, eventually. Memo to me is an interesting case because to to me Memo is in a nutshell the Mexican player. To the rest of the world and i mean obviously you know i'm a big time homer i'm a big time nationalist as far as like you know hector moreno at one point was the best in the world or rafa marquez the best in the world and people were like yeah yeah you know back in that day they were talking about company and uh chivo and all those other idiots right so i think like memo's a phenomenal goalkeeper yet i sometimes wonder what does the rest of the world think you know how do they rate him and i think that really when you solve that is just I think it, you know. I think it's interesting to to consider, you know, really how these. I mean, maybe the press, maybe just ra- random fans in general, or how clubs rate these players because we're definitely not sought after. You know, like these uh, knuckleheads from you know Brazil or Argentina. And I mean, I, you know, you hate to bring this to the case that if, if X player was Argentine or Brazilian, he'd already be in Europe. But I don't know. I mean, I'm a Liga MX fan. I, you know, I'm, I'm a Mexican national team fan. I seem to believe in my players, you know. 
I, I want to say that the four of you guys do as well. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, you know, black and white, it would just capture the moment so nicely. When, oh. <laughs> uh, well, Brazilians and Argentines have been proven commodities in mm. Europe for... It's like gold and silver, man. Four years. You know, it's like, you know, that's of value. With Mexico, you don't know mm-hmm. if you're going to get fool's gold, you know, Davila, Pablo Barrera. Well, the thing is, 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 is out, of, out of 20 Mexicans that are playing, and, and or whatever the number is, you know, you're thinking about you know, 10, 11, some are pretty near or do one. And that's, you know, that's half. That's pretty good. So think of how many Brazilians are playing in Europe. No, right, right, but but if I mean, I mean, like, like I said, like, I mean, you know, we have certain. That's my point is, it's a number, it's a numbers game. No, but the reason they have to, the reason they have to do that is because their own league doesn't pay well, so they export their players. That's how they make their money. It's not. Oh, like, I understand that. Right, right. Not necessarily. Yeah, here's the thing. If we're talking, if we're talking percentages, though, I mean, let's let's go back. Obviously, we've had an anomaly. We had Hugo Sanchez, right? But look at the forwards that went to Europe after him. It's not like we sent 15 guys that all ate shit, you know. Luis Garcia had a phenomenal first run, you know, with Atletico. Who else went, you know, Joel? Who, what other forwards went to Europe? No one. It's like it's the same thing it. with Memo. A- after every, you know, subsequent World Cup or Gold Cup that he, he performs in, and we think, all right, now is the time. Now he's going to go to a big club. And it doesn't happen. Yeah. And it's, again, because – Teams aren't going to waste a foreigner spot on a goalkeeper. Sure, but what I'm saying is, I think it's, it's not like a striker. You know, it's not like a midfielder where you 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 would be willing to to do that. But for a goalkeeper, they might as well just want their own countrymen for that position. Right, right, but the, but you're ignoring the fact that we're talking about numbers here, right? It's not like we're sending 25 Mexicans after Hugo Sanchez, you know, in, in 85 or whatever, and everyone's been terrible, you know. We haven't sent anyone, and whenever we do, I mean, who's been a bust? We've had Manuel Vidrio, we've had uh, Ochoa, Come on, Bravo, we had uh, Bravo, Kikin. we had uh, yeah, Picolin, yeah, Picolin, Kikin, yeah, and then um, <laughs> I mean see. Pablo Barrera, but Barrera wasn't see. that bad, man. Barrera was good with Who's the hell? Who, who's that guy that went to Scotland? Efrain. He's not a forward, though. Not a forward, but... You did have the forward from Pumas they went to. He played with Caxinha. That's right. Uh, Herrera. He's, he's back in Liga. Yeah, Lalo Herrera. You're talking about strikers, or are you just talking about in general? Strikers, we also had um, Borghetti. Well, no, but what, I, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you know, whenever people talk about the, you know, proving commodities that are the Argentinos and Brazilians, after Hugo and Luis, it's not like we sent Mexicans and drove them in you know, they all sucked, and then it's like that closed the door for us. People they did all People just Actually, don't rate us, man. They did all suck. They did all suck. He, you know, well, no, Palencia did good. He went to Espanol, and he played good. But, you know, back then, European teams didn't want to pay a lot of money. They wanted, like, give us a loan. and, and yeah, Exactly, and they're not going to pay a lot of money for an unproven, for, for mm-hmm. players from an, from an unproven market. As Mexico proves itself more and more in the market, then yeah, you will see more Mexicans go, and we have seen that in the. Yeah. So, you know, but at least, where, at least do you, where do you where do you prove that? Do you prove that in the international tournaments? 
Cause Definitely not even we, the Coca-Cola gold we were, or whatever the hell we got. Well, yeah, because uh, John was, was talking about this uh, last episode, how it's so difficult for Europeans to watch Liga MX. They're not going to watch Liga MX because we're not broadcasting they it. They can't watch Liga MX. They huh? just can't. Yeah, they can't. can't. So, like, we have to watch what, uh, Hector Herrera just said this week, that we got to get back into playing Libertadores and you know Copa, right. Copa, Copa America. Like, so, you know, you can't blame Europe. You can't blame them for, like, not trusting us because they don't really have much to go off of except for the World Cup, maybe the Confederations Cup, um, and that's it, right? The, the the Club World Cup, too, I guess. That's more broadcasted, but they don't know. They're kind of going into it blind, you know, and... But I, I think that's changed, that whole perception. It has changed of, now, but... These players... They won't, because you had Chicharro thanks to the internet, really you know. good, and and now you have Raúl Jiménez doing yeah, great, but... and and then all the players that have recently been leaving Liga MX, they're going at a high price, right? You know, they're they're not leaving for cheap, or Linus. you know, on loan or on loan with option to buy and all this, mm-hmm. you know, like before. But you know, like European teams are very shady, man, and they were just what they were doing, like how they, they took so many players from South America, and then if they had one bad season, they would just dump them out. If you look at a lot of the foreigners that have been in Liga MX, a lot of those guys had a season or two in Europe. And and it's not that they sucked. It's just these teams were, were just exploiting a lot of these players. They, even, like, they were doing it with African players, too, where they ended up having, like, a homeless problem in Italy. They would take all these kids to the clubs and have them try out or if they didn't do good one season they'll just they'll release them and then uh, all of a sudden the guy has no no way to get home they're living in the well, street you, you guys remember Samuel Eto'o's uh, account of how when he arrived in Madrid and he was basically like stuck at the airport like wondering what the hell you know what's going on I'm in a foreign country you know and they were like uh, yeah you're people from Madrid yeah right <laughs> I forgot he played for Madrid or then they, they got yeah. they brought yeah. him into well, their youth camp yeah, they, they're the one that took him over they did him dirty then they went to Mallorca yeah yeah because when Barcelona bought him they had to like negotiate with, with Madrid. For Madrid or something like that yeah Right, right. He was what eighteen but, you know, when he played in that world in that first his first World Cup, right? He was really young. Yeah. No, but you know what? What gets me is like, uh, we you know we we ship off these guys like South Americans, especially like Ener Valencia, right? He gets sent to uh, from Pachuca to what to West Ham or wherever the hell he went, right? And then it, you know, after a couple of years of languishing in Europe, it's like here we go. Here's Tigres, you know, opening the wallet for him, and every time there's an opening. You hear like Cruz Azul saying, oh, yeah, estamos buscando cuatro refuerzos. And it's like, yeah, why do they always have to be South Americans? You know, why can't they look for like four Mexican kids, you know, in the rancho somewhere, you know? They make because everyone makes more money when it's South Americans. Right. But, I mean, I think that's like, you know, this is my whole, you know, me getting on a soapbox here. But it's like, that's why we need to limit the number of foreigners in Mexico, man. It's just ridiculous. Every time it's like, oh, yeah, tenemos cinco refuerzos. And it's like, fuck. I hate it when like Pumas does it. You know, it's like, yeah, here we go. We're going to go search for five Paraguayos, you know, like, I'm just, I'm sick of it, man. But even when it was 
in regulation, right? When back when they did the uh was the most that you could start was like four or five foreigners. Like none nothing has actually changed. You know, we're still exiting in the round you of You can 16. start more foreigners. Yeah. You can start nine foreigners. Now. No, I mean but back then, remember back then when it was like more re- regulated? It was, only uh, three in, uh, Mexico. it was like, oh, you can only have like four foreigners starting. Like he was back in like I would say like ten, twelve. Yeah, years but I mean ago. that was also well, it was longer than that, but uh, yeah. But you know, but even when they were limiting foreigners, you know, and and you just look at it today, really nothing has changed. We're still producing the same amount of talent. So I don't, I don't know. Or if... lack thereof, right? No, right. But the thing is, the thing is that now that we're exporting more, I'd like to see us give it, you know, a serious shot. You know, whether it be going to the long tournament format, limiting the number of foreigners. Because I mean, it just seems like every generation, every new national team is better than the last one. I definitely believe that this national team today is better than Ugo's national team, better than the 94 national team. You know, I think just generationally, uh, you know, as generations go on. But the problem is, so is all the other countries. They're getting better. Look at Croatia. They're the same team that we beat in 2014. End up being runner-up. In 2018. Yeah, but they had a precedent in '98 as well. Right. They, like, what, third place. Three. Third place. But I'm just saying, like yeah. these countries, man, yeah, that we, we beat. Sniff that like fifth round. Or... Like, how do we not catch a break like they do, man? That's crazy. Well, I mean, Croatia is not a good example, I guess, for us to go off of because they have players that are like key players in big teams. We, we don't really Which have team? that right now. Croatia's got a population of like, I don't know, so small. It's such a small country. I mean, again, to me, the the big. If you want to know what the biggest problem? The biggest problem is, is that not enough kids in Mexico get seen playing because they don't have the structure in the, in, the, in the entirety of the country to be able to play some sort of organized sport. And unfortunately, so, it's it's a pay to play system, right? It's not, it's not as much pay to play. It's a, it's a, it's a who you know system. And I mean, how many you know padrinos and and and, and what are they called the hijastros or whatever? Or, 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 I mean, how did you know Javier Hernandez would would he have gotten the breaks he got if it wasn't for his dad and grandfather? Probably not. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's if it's in Brazil. Already getting cut, man. But 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 my point is that at least at least he had the opportunity. He right, probably wouldn't right. have gotten the opportunity otherwise. You, you know, but that also comes to like the government, of course, like, where they should build fields. I, I don't know how it's in Brazil. I know in Argentina they, like at least during the dictatorship, you know, as another way to to calm the people, they would just build them soccer fields, you know. And uh, but it ended up working out for them. Uh, I mean, there's fields so, all over Brazil. There's all over Argentina. There's some fields, and I mean, I was just in Mexico City a couple of weeks ago, and and. and I mean, there were a couple of fields, but I mean, it's just, I mean, just not enough. And, you know, and you're right. I mean, it, it, the government, should, if they really want to be serious about it, the government should subsidize sport like they do. I mean, if they want to emulate it like they do in this country. Well, I remember I mean, people always talk about how football is king and this and that. High school football in this country is the most subsidized sport probably on the planet. It, yeah, they should do it more like that. I, I remember going to Max. Back in the 90s, 
in, in Guadalajara and they were building all these indoor indoor fields that were pretty cool. They were like mini stadiums. And, uh, but you had to pay because they were privately owned. I mean, that just made it hard to organize like leagues or have teams because it's like, and, and, well, maybe not that hard, but you are eliminating a lot of kids that they just don't have money for that. Yeah, in, in Zacatecas, there's a lot of abandoned fields, whether it be one of those, um, you know, mini, uh, was it like outdoor, indoor, you know, fields, like, yeah. like almost like hockey rink style, you know, with like yeah, artificial yeah. grass and just a totally abandoned, man. And that, that that is a leftover from the 90s when there was like a lot of expansion. And I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what the government's doing over there, what they're not doing. However, uh, it's definitely true that uh, unlike the pay-to-play that's you know prevalent here in the U.S. in Mexico, it's these kids are living in homes, you know, like 20 kids at a time, and they're starving, man. They, they you know they're far from home, and there's no one really sponsoring them, unless you know they're the marquee player you know of the uh you know the pick of the litter if you will i mean it, it shouldn't be up to the clubs and only the clubs to to support the the, the, the infrastructure of uh, of soccer in mexico i mean it should be if they're if they're serious if they really want to you know be, be where they claim that they want to be and there has there has to be more i mean there's no reason why they can't have a like a public school state championship, you know, in, in each of the 32 states in Mexico and then have like a national chain, you know, from that. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, I mean, how on earth, I mean, and, 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 and that's how you feed the beast. I mean, you, you have to give the kids the opportunity because in a, in a soccer mad country like Mexico with the population that they have, how many of those kids fall through the cracks? Uh, a ton, a ton, a ton of kids. Ton. We got I mean, 10 little messies running around. We I don't even, a... we, we don't have anyone watching them. No, I think I think there was a figure. I mean, maybe Joel could help me out, but I think there was a figure like in 2018 that said there was something like 45 different foundations that had sprung up in the last 10 years from players like uh, Miguel Calero and Rafa Marquez, you know, etc. Oh, yeah. But I mean, obviously, you know, we look at the Marquez situation and how much of that is just a front for you know money laundering or something, you know? Yeah, Fabian, Marco Fabian has a school. Yeah, a lot of these. Yeah, guys up there, and, and Rafa Marquez, I think, had it. But, and then it's like you oh, said, Coyle, you have a school. Uh, it was it was also a front for uh, us. I have a school. Don't you have a school? No. <laughs> I thought you I thought you had a school too. I thought you had a school. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the, I I think with with the clubs where they get it wrong as well is with the scouting, like their overall scouting. Uh, it seems to just give up on it. it. It surprises me a lot. We saw what Pumas did in the 80s and 70s, 80s, all these great players. And then Atlas, you know, in the 90s. And then she was like in 2000. And it's like, they sort of forget. You know, it's like they forgot. They forgot, like, how to work that. And then it, you know, now people started talking about Pachuca as if they, you know, they were innovators or whatever. So it's kind of weird. It's like they know they could get all these players and then they just stop doing it. Yeah, I told you guys I was in Coapa earlier this year and I was talking to Alvaro Galindo and Pio Guerrero. 
and they're telling me about all the politics behind the scenes. And I mean, some of the stuff I can't share just because of you know, it's like, you know, they, they asked me to just keep it, you know, keep it to myself. But but on the DL, some of the stuff I can share is like, uh, they talk about how it's it's so hard for these Mexican kids to stay within you know the youth setup because what you don't see like at the U twenty levels and all that. There's like a crap ton of like uh, South Americans that are there that aren't necessarily on the roster or whatever. You know, they, they don't make up like, uh, you know, the sheets, but they're part of the system at America and they're like funneling them in, you know, and, uh, you know, these kids, if, if they don't, you know, they don't make, you know, they don't crack like the starting 23 or whatever, they, you know, get shipped off to Atlas or Cruz Azul or, you know, just whoever. Could you imagine the, 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 ignominy of, of being with a crew and being shipped off to Atlas. <laughs> right? Yeah. How awful and, that and, would uh, be. Yeah, so they're just talking about like, oh, you see all those kids? Oh, those, those are five Argentinos that just arrived, they arrived like 13 years old and they came from like Cordoba, but they, they, you know, they're not cracking like the, you know, the, the main teams in Argentina and it's just like, so now it's like, are we scraping the bottom of the barrel or are we just, you know, shooting, you know, Basically, just shooting a prayer here and trying to see, you know, what kind of fucking miracles we come up with, you know, any diamonds in the rough. But I mean, I saw the kids; they didn't look anything special, and they're like, "Oh yeah, those guys are being shipped off to, you know, whatever San Luis or something." Anyway, they talk about, you know, so the, the pressure in Mexico to succeed, especially you know, with the long tournament format or short tournament format, is to win now or you know, get booted. And he says, I mean, yeah, even them, even Pio Correa, you know, they're, they're under a lot of pressure to to win now. I mean, luckily for them, they've got a lot of money bankrolling them. And, of course, me being an anti-Americanista, you know, they got the refs help, but, you know, they don't want to mess up to that. Una mierda. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And, and you know, and, 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 I, and I've shared this with the guys a couple times, and it's like, like, uh, I walked away, to me, it was a big deal when they told me that Diego Lainez wasn't all that great. And it was puro, you know, puro promotor. And I'm like, dude, so who is better than him? I mean, because I've seen him and he looks pretty good to me. And like, nah, he's not even the best kid we have here. And I'm just like, really? You know, like, this goes on at, you know, presumably the biggest club in Mexico. Imagine what happens at the, the smaller teams. Uh, quite a shocker to me. I mean, like I said, I look at Lainez, I, I hear about his struggles or whatever at Betis. Don't know how valid they are, but I do kind of scratch my head and think about, you know, what Piojo said that, you know, ese cabrón ni es el mejor que tenemos. And I thought, wow. I mean, I would hate for them to see that, you know, about my fucking kids, you know? I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. Wait, uh, so you went to talk to Piojon, and what was what was going? What was that trip all about? Uh, Arvalo, Arvalo Galindo was uh, Piojo's, uh, you know, second in command. He's really like the cerebro, you know, of yeah. those teams, whether it be America, Tecos, Atlante, or even the national team. Arvalo Galindo is uh, Benjamin Galindo's nephew. They're from uh, Tierra Blanca, Zacatecas, and they're friends of the family. Oh, okay. And so we stopped by Coapa when we were in Mexico City uh, just to go to the training, you know, the uh, training session. And we were there. It was like it was kind of exclusive. It was like maybe 10 people. And, 
de Televisa actor Arrat de la Torre. <laughs> it was kind of cool, you know, just there. And... Were you were you amazed at his how handsome he was? <laughs> yeah, kind of he had like the silver fox look going. I was like, oh, nice. You know? Oh, he's older now. I remember him from. Uh, oh, jeez, what's the name of that novela? Soñadoras. Soñador. No, there's another one. Pichi novelero. Nah, but you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, as a straight man, you can tell like, oh, he's a good-looking dude. You know, he, he kind of looks like a celebrity. You know, he he has like a little aura to him, you know, if you will. But his kid, his. Kid Not talking about Horin. <laughs> no. God no. <laughs> Jeez, you don't have to be that that rough about it. Good lord! Hey, we can you know, we can our own kind, man. Don't worry. No, but uh, I, I don't, don't think his jo- Joel. Don't don't let him talk to you like that, bro. Amigas <laughs> 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 no, uh, man. Not not, be, not being an Americanista, but being in Coapa, it was it was kind of neat to see the setup. You know, we saw the U twenty team practicing with uh, Cholos. You know. What's it called? Gibran uh, Lahoud was there, and I was like, I mean, I saw him, uh, you know, and I was like, what the hell? Like, I didn't, I didn't recognize. I mean, I recognized him, but I was like, what's he doing here? He's just flop I'm like, oh, the Cholos were in town to play uh, Umas, I believe, and America had let them use their for preparation. Yeah, but point of the story: Coapa, America. It's all. Did, did you throw up before or after you left? Both. I threw up as I was walking in. Um, it was pretty funny, man. They they had me like ch- show my passport and everything, and I, you know, like, really? just to prove that I was, you know, who I was. And I'm like, calm down. Uh, team. You can be honest with us. Did you leave a nice chorro in there and not flush the toilet before you left? I did. I <laughs> I actually dropped a dooski right before. Uh, Oribe Peralta walked in and he combed his hair. Hey man, it was he was bas- he was basking in your glory. He was uh, sniffing my uh, leftovers for sure. It was amigas y rivales, man. That was the one. That was the novela. Yeah, but I tell you what, man. Uh, uh, Alvaro was telling us how he's like, "Esos cabrones, uh, like they pretty much have to tell him, hey." You know, these guys are VIP. You have to go say hi to them. And the players, for whatever reason, they they oblige, man. They go and take pictures with you and sign your shit. He's like, but normally they're a bunch of divas. And I was like, yeah, you could tell. Like, Nico Castillo was pretty cool. You know, he was hanging out. I talked to him about Pumas and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can't really talk about that. But it was a great experience. And uh, I definitely, you know, I appreciate the sport. I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Pretty cool, man. So you got some family hookups. You're able to go and uh, get some inside inside discussion. That's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. Yeah, like I said, you know, some of the stuff I just I won't share just out of you know respect for the uh, you know privacy of the conversation. But like I said, <clears throat> very alarming as far as like uh, the internal politics. I mean, and I know Joel knows about it, like all the bullshit that goes on. But when you hear about it happening, at, you know. God forbid it happened at Chivas or America or, you know, whatever, but I can only imagine what happens at in the lower levels, you know, like Murcielago, you know. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very interesting, and I've forgotten, because I remember way back when Tecos was bringing in 
they'll bring up to four or five, you know, African players trying to set something up. And it just, it never kicked off. None of the players they had never looked that good. But, and, and it does, at the same time, it <clears throat> takes away from from the local players, you know, because they're giving this, they're setting this opportunity up. I know Pachuca was doing something similar because when they bought, they got, um, they had a team in Chile and they had a team in Argentina. <clears throat> and, you, you know, they'll just bring in all these players just to see a ver cual pega. We'll go, we're gonna, I'm going to count to 10. And if, 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 if Piojo's life is in danger, interrupt me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Like I, I've, I've told some of the guys before, but meeting Piojo really changed my opinion of him. I, I was not a fan. I thought he was a pinche, just like a, you know, just a little populist fucker, you know. I thought he was, what he did with Macanelli was uncalled for. I didn't like all his shenanigans, all his, you know, commercials and stuff. And just how he became bigger than, you know, the national team. But talking to him, man, un tipazo, you know? My respect, man. He's like, that's a dude you definitely want to go have a beer with, man. Cool as hell, level-headed, down-to-earth, funny, you know? Um, he credit-carded my buddy. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. I was like, it's a fucking maniac, you know? <laughs> he, he looks very pink in person. I bet you he rolls a mean joint, Piojo. Oh, dude, I, I'm pretty sure, man, because, like, his skin, I don't know if he has, like, some kind of condition, but he looks like Donald Trump and like that he's like discolored, but he's like he's pinkish and like he's like pink and yellow, you know, whereas like Donald's like orange looking. But weird, huh? We got that weird complexion going on. We should uh or is or is it still that gingery red? Um it it was yeah. I'd say he was graying a little bit, but he was wearing a hat and it was hot as hell. So I don't know. I didn't really focus much on his hair. I was more geared to his uh, nostrils. We should ask Giovanni Dos Santos how uh, how how well Piojo rolls his blunts. <laughs> Dude, I have some cool Giovanni Dos Santos stories about um, Pasadena, <laughs> where he's been fade, he faded, dude, and uh, people come up and talk to him, and he's just like, no, I'll let know. And uh, definitely a lot of speculation about his sexuality. And I mean, I, I always just say, no, say it ain't so. But weird cats, man. You know, they, they live that European lifestyle, man. They carry man purses. That's what they do. Even in Mexico, that's going on a little bit. Hey, so what what do you think of, uh, of Piojo with, uh, you know, back in when he was playing, he's known as like a, a brawler. He'll defend it. You know, do you think? You think he, uh, you ever, you ever think of like what he oh, would... Right. So, you know, well, you know, obviously you train. So, yeah. I looked at Bioko and I was like, dude, I would definitely like my chances against this guy. I'd fuck, I'd fuck him up. But, I mean, <laughs> then again, I'm probably like five inches taller than him, you know? But I see him and I'm like, this guy was like a terror on the field. This guy was like, you know, respected in the barrio, you know? But I don't know, man, different times, I guess, you know? I think all it takes is just confidence for, you know, being that maniac, having that crazy look. And, I mean, oftentimes people don't 
people don't want to fight, man. So yeah, he's got that. Must have had like balls of steel, or he at least he fronted it. But I mean, like I said, standing side by side, he did not look scary to me, you know, <laughs> in who, the least. Who, who, who making Piojo look like bagel guy? Well, you know, you know who you need yeah. to stand up next to is uh, like when I went to the Miami, that same Miami game where I met Picolin. Uh, Chuy Corona was there, and that dude, man, he's got like scar, uh, fa- his face is like scarred up in several areas. And uh, this was like, I think this was after when he had that incident after that nightclub, he got into like some fisticuffs or something. That guy looks like somebody who could handle himself, man. Chuy Corona, Corona? yeah. He's sort of skinny, but he's tall, and he's like, I mean, he looks like he's been through a lot, you know, in his younger years. Might hey, have had wasn't some... he in trouble for beating up a fan, and then, like, his cousin took the blame? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. It was, like, outside of a nightclub or, or something, like, in the streets or something. But that's not even counting, like, his youth, and you know how he headbutted that dude, so he's sort of known... He's he's known as like a oh yeah, Chuy Corona is a wild card man. You don't want to fuck with that guy. Yeah, I was looking. I was like right next to him. I was like, okay, let me check this he's guy got out. That crazy look in his eye, man. <laughs> One of my favorite pictures is from the Olympics when he looks like he's punching Neymar. He's, oh he's, yeah. Punch the ball and giving him an uppercut. I yeah, no, I'm also just curious to see if Pulido actually did break away from those kidnappers or if that was all for show. Yeah, um, he I'm might have hit him with. Story. I think he has a European handbag. He might have knocked him out with one of those. <laughs> the fact that he still has that same haircut, like he's just going with it, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, man. I mean, for a while, like at first, I'm like, all right, you know, he's kind of like a buff kid, you know, good-looking guy, you know, he's got a stupid haircut. But the fact that he's still rocking that, like five years later, I'm like, man. What's wrong with him? Who, Pulido? Yeah. I mean, it's a little worst different. haircuts have been around, like Achita, Ludeña. We were talking about his flat top earlier. God, that thing was so ugly. That went with him. That matched him, though, man. I think he he looked good. It, it was his personality. Pulido, <laughs> Pulido's has, has evolved. It's, it's different than it was in Leon. Like, I look for pictures just to make fun of him. Um, it, it's evolved, so it's sort of, like, modernized. But yeah, it's so he just seems like one of those emo kids, you know. More so back like, in the day. More, yeah, he more had like so. the, didn't he have like gauges in his ears? Possibly, I think. Yeah, I, I remember asking Naka, I'm like, hey, so do you think he's like a handsome guy? She's like, pues sí, está, está papacito, pero pinche pelo de pendejo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. So uh, I guess we can, uh, like, we're going pretty late, but do you guys want to go over the the? Uh, Upcoming uh, weekend of games predictions. Wait, we forgot the Chivas game. We, we skipped over it. I can knock us out, that, man. I've got to. Uh, I've got to. I've got to crash out. All right, All right John. Okay, have John. A good, have a good night. Good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, we were finishing the results last week. Chivas win over Tigres. Yep. Just brief recap. When, uh, when when uh, Chivas defense uh, defended for dear life and held on, ratoneros. <laughs> oh, that's a new perspective here. <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was def- that was definitely some. Uh, what do they call the uh, catenacio? Hey, <laughs> <laughs>
If it works, it works, man. But you know what, dude? I'm not the one's boy fan. I mean, I think he's an idiot, but I, I think he's pretty cool. Like, just <laughs> the fact that he's, like, ballsy and he dances. He does, like, little twirly bird celebrations. And the fact that, you know, siempre se pone encarar los jugadores. That's what I'm saying. Hell yeah, man. Fuck Guignac, you know? We need, we need someone that's going to step up to, you know, Nahuel Guzman, man, because that guy's always a clown. That, me and you are on the same page on that, man. I've said this, like, Joel, I guess, was sort of, like, give him a chance, but I've been loving some Thomas Boy, man, even since last year. Yeah, Chihuahua fans don't like him, but I think they're being unfair. Like they're being very unfair with him. But I did. a bad spot. Yeah, I will say I did change my attitude after you you said that, Jikis. Because I'm like, you know what? You're right. We haven't even given him a fair shake yet. We're already hating on him. And who knows? Maybe... Just... Maybe my it's crazy enough to work. Well, it, just think, man. Just think. The only difference between Tomas Boy and Pio Herrera is Cruz Azul. You know, Memo Vasquez and Cruz Azul <laughs> shit the bed. Piojo won that title, and then Piojo got the national team. Otherwise, Piojo he's a life loser like Tomas Boy. He's a fiery <laughs> dude. He usually, you know, punches above his weight. And uh, his teams look all right for a little bit, and then he crashes and burns. You know, Pio Herrera is Tomas Boy Part Two, man. Just he's gotten a you know lucky shake. <laughs> he's he's no, but you know to give credit to to Piojo because he did. If, if you see his record, like I guess maybe his first ten years, pretty bad. You you won't think Piojo would ever get anywhere near the national team, and then he slowly started. Raking up wins, so but, but what he did at, Cho- at Cholos that was impressive. But he has had like, like to his credit, where he will at least keep the team fighting the top spots, which is not not that easy to do. Uh, very few coaches can can have that consistency where you might not win something, but at least you're you're finishing the season in, in top five. So that's that was one of the. Yeah, and, 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 and his his three five two, to me, you know, maybe I'm biased where we're taking shots here, but was a lot more attacking and fluid than fucking La Volpes, you know? I'm just saying. <coughs> yeah. Boy Boy man, Boy gets a bad bad rap, but he's had he's decent coach. He's just, you know, not been consistent. We, we said it in one of the previous pods. Morelia was his best run. Took him to a final. They lost to Pumas. And then he took him to, like, two other semifinals. And uh, and then he he saved Atlas from relegation. And then he, he crashed with Cruz Azul. And we went full circle. Yeah. Hey, real <laughs> quick, and I don't, I don't mean to change the subject too much, but I just have one question for you guys. And to me, it's, are we really going to act like um, Bucetich, like he's just forgotten? He's got like a super awesome record, um, an amazing run in you know title games, uh, amazing amount of championships, and he, what, directed the national team for two games? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're not going to give him another style. shot, man? No, we're not. We're not. He... Dude, we are so flavor of the month. It's, it's unbelievable. But the thing is, though, 
it's Tata until death do do his part, man. I like what he's done. I think Busan needs to coach one of the bigger teams. He needs to go to Chivas. Well, he turned it down. Well, we need to pay more money then. Down twice now. Whatever it takes. Yeah, well, maybe down the line I could see him. I could see him because he is one of the one of the best coaches. I want. Well, you are you a Tata fan for real? I am. I am. He won me over, um, Hugo. I was I was at the San Diego Molero, and I went to the mm-hmm. to the post match press conference, and uh, he sat down and he's like, "I want to address something." I made a comment. I made a comment about how. Liga MX is it's more competitive than La Liga. And uh, it's like a lot of people attack me. He's like, and he doubled down, man. He's like, you, you're going to see a team get beaten by Boca, by Boca, by Barca 5-0. And it's like, you guys going to consider that competitive? And he's like, he says how Liga MX clubs are pretty much more evenly matched. So that, that to him makes it Week in, week out, uh, you, your chance of playing a more competitive game than you're one of the smaller clubs and you're just getting your ass handed to you. And so I was like, man. That's what, that's what I've always said, man, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. You know I mean? We'll see what he says at the end, you know, because we've stood by coaches who've said way worse about the league. You know, we've, had, we've stood by coaches that say they don't have – certain players at certain positions and they wish they did and we ate it up so now that we finally have someone singing our praises I stand behind him I just uh, I don't know that the end results will be different I, I hope so you know for, for all of us I just think it's like yo man we need to just say hey this is going to be our coach for the next eight years and he's not going anywhere so you guys better support him because we whine and bitch the entire qualification to the World Cup with Juan Carlos Osorio. And we got in caminando. Like, if we can't even support him when Mexico was getting the results, then imagine at a World Cup when you need that support, bro. It's like... <clears throat> Jaime, Jaime. Let me just tell you, okay? There was this game a couple years ago where my padrino... My tios, my cousins, my buddies, we all hopped in to a big van and headed up north to the Bay Area. And that whole ride, we were hooting and hollering, we were drinking, we were fucking eating cacahuates and listening to tamborazo, and we were champions of the world, man. We fell on top of the world, okay? We got to the Bay Area, had a great breakfast, we met up with a bunch of other fellow, fellow raza. The streets of uh, Santa Clara were just filled with Mexicans, streets of San Jose, whatever, you know, we, we were ready to conquer the world, you know. We hop on the little uh, train to the, to, to the stadium, you know, we're singing, we're, we're dancing, we're drinking, having fun, everyone's having a grand old time. And then she just scored seven goals on us. All right, so I remember that day very clearly. And to me, it always stayed with me, and it still sticks with me. Fuck Osorio. Okay. What was he supposed to do? Meter todos a la cueva, man. Just everyone, Alaria, and defenderse a toda madre. 
It's like, yeah. what are you, what are you supposed to do, bro? Like when you, when, when you aren't getting the response from your team, you know, it's like, whose fault is it? It's not your fault. Okay. I, I and do then, think but... it is. I, I, because I, I, I was, I was, I was watching the game, uh, one of the games before that. So if you, if you see the Uruguay game. First, yes. Definitely, we, we, def, we definitely bunkered at the end against Uruguay, for sure. Yeah, and we, we, you know, they went down on man early on, and, and even even though they um, they lost, they still had good opportunities to score, and, and even for that, I think uh, they had played Chile, right? Chile, that they played a friendly before the tournament, yeah. won, but Chile had missed a lot of goals. So if you see these games, you keep seeing... Uh, these teams that are missing a lot of goals. Yeah, patterns. I mean, dude, even even the uh, Jamaica game at the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Dude, it was it was terrible. It was a terrible showing by Mexico. So when we lost... Like three, they missed like three one-on-one with, with the keeper. Yeah, and then what was the third game against Ecuador? Man, I can't remember. But, it, it, you know, just looking at all those games, and I'm like, you know, this guy doesn't fix the defense. Uh you know, we're just going to get our ass and whoop. But he kept, like, just doing this whole rotation thing, and it, it backfired pretty bad. Yeah, and then, and then we had that one with uh, the Confederaciones, and we got whooped by uh, Germany. It's fine, though, because we ended up beating them when it mattered. But did it, okay? Because I was there the other day. Singing, you know, about how we beat Germany. We were right about to was... build that statue when we beat Germany, bro. Come on, dude, everybody was right. Dude, I was at El Angel, man. I was losing my mind. It was the most beautiful day. It was, you know, a very glorious feeling. And then we just shit the bed. Yeah, like because always. it's the fear of success, not even fear of failure. It was just... No, if we didn't know what to do against... We... Well, you know what happened was... Germany scored against was it Sweden and South Korea? No, it was no when Germany. It was it was the second match of the World Cup in our group, and we were guaranteed to like qualify to the next round if Germany had either. I think it was lost that game. I think they were losing, and then Kroos did that that free kick and tied the game, and then. It gave life back to the group, and it didn't give us the automatic, you know, qualification to the next round. Because what? It makes no sense. You win your first two games in the World Cup, and you're still not guaranteed to go through. It makes no sense. Look, man. All I know is when I talk to you, I think about the Bay Area, and I think about how we beat South Korea, we lost to Sweden. And then Sunday we got news that LeBron James had signed with the Lakers. And that was an amazing day. And then Monday, we lost to Brazil. Dos a cero. Again. Boom. Let's not talk about sad things, man. Let's talk about how amazing Chivas are right now for, for beating the, the equipo uh, Chico. And how Tomas Boy is gonna take us to the Minerva to celebrate our our title. Alright, so let's go next let's go over next week then. Yeah, Chivas is playing on Friday. Uh, actually tomorrow. 
They're playing tomorrow against Puebla. Puebla. Uh, los Super Camotes. Uh, they're going to play against Chivas. Yeah. And that's going to kick off the uh, the third match day of, of, of the weekend. And then after that game, it's going to be Atlas versus Santos. So hopefully after that game, we'll have a new new leader since they both have six points right now. Uh, and then on Saturday, we have Querétaro versus Cruz Azul, Pachuca versus Morelia, America versus Tijuana, Ecaxa versus Veracruz, uh, Monterrey versus León. That should be good. And then we have a cat fight on Sunday with Pumas versus uh, Tigres. And then Juarez and Which Toluca. Is, it's, it's the big match of the season. They've had two, two fairly easy rivals. So mm-hmm. we'll see what we'll see what the Pumas are made out of in this game. I think that'll be a good test for them. And they're playing in uh, in Seoul, so the crowd will be always supportive there. Well, they've been doing good so far, but this is this is the strongest rival so far, uh, which is one of the top four strongest rivals that they could face. So it's good that for them to have that match at home. You know, you get that bit of advantage. I know yeah. it's an iconic stadium, but I despise that stadium. I just think having a track field around the yeah, soccer that's... field is just... Come on, man. You guys need to... It's acceptable, break... though. Yeah, it's not you ideal. You guys need to break that down and rebuild. It's, it's not ideal. I didn't even use have you been there? Like, have you actually been to that? Because I feel like that'd be like the worst stadium to go to because you're so far away from the field. I've been outside. I haven't been at a game. I, I not. I've been outside of the stadium. I just haven't been inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the the worst places to watch a game because you're so far away. Oh man, you're lucky John left because he would have. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's beautiful. Like the art, the. The stadium itself from the outside is really nice, and oh, yeah, the, the, the track the track is sort of yeah, that's that's a negative. Uh, but there's history I know it's behind it. And, you know, yeah, the Olympics were there, and I know World there's Cup. a lot of history, but Two World But I, yeah, I can see Puma surprising uh, Tigres at least maybe getting even a tie. Oh come on, man! You got to sound more confident than that. Well, she the, the, can beat the only well, no. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think like like Thomas Boy said that the Chivas win against Tigres was circumstantial. It it was yeah, a good. It well, was. You know what? I wanted to bring this point up earlier, uh, just because uh, Mexican teams normally don't do well when they when they're playing two tournaments. They usually they usually just do good in one, then the other. I'm not saying that's the case for every team, but you see a consistency if you start like comparing results and and other. Teams that played, what was it? Uh, like, what is it called? The League's Cup against the MLS team. None, none of those uh, teams won. I think what was it? Um, America tied, and the other two teams, I believe, lost. And League's Cup. No, all, th- all three of them. Uh... So is the is the League Cup uh, like kind of like the super the super what was that Super Liga? Is it the same uh, concept? Yeah, I would no, say I would super say similar. Liga, 
wait, one was to qualify for Libertadores. Was that the Interliga? Yeah, but that was that, that, was, that didn't include MLS teams though. Yeah, okay. I just get the names confused. I mean, I remember they're like, we need to do a tournament that Liga MX, and then they did Superliga for like one or two seasons, and it just failed. So what? This is like a new uh, spinoff or hybrid. Yeah, those aren't going away, man. <laughs> those those cups aren't going away. They're mm. gonna keep doing them. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You know, yeah, money, money talks. Cruz Azul, America, and Tigres all advanced in the League Cup, League's Cup, and then Tijuana lost to Galaxy. Galaxy is the only like uh, legit MLS team that's in this tournament. So, Have they, wait, they're only they're the only MLS team. No, legit. The yeah, le- they, I believe they face Cruz Azul next. Yeah, Galaxy did against they Cruz not, Azul. Did they not learn from the cool guy? Cool guy. <laughs> well, they have Chicago Fire, Houston Dynamo, and Real Salt Lake were the three teams that lost to uh, the Liga MX teams. No, well, well you know what, uh, Jaime? A lot of these teams, they're not as deep as the uh, Liga MX teams. Because, like, Tigres, they could, they could have two squads. <clears throat> yeah, les falta, les falta todavía. Um, this guy had said he had said it. Um, Slatan, he was talking about how, you know, they they need to invest more money. And but but the, the one quote he said about that was how the majority of the teams lose money. He said like, even in Europe, I can only think of like three clubs that actually turn a profit. And it's, it's one thing that I've, I've always told Liga MX fans, like, like, it might seem like these teams are making money, but for the most part, they're losing money when when we criticize why there's Pacto de Caballeros or why they won't release a player for cheap or free, stuff like that. It's like, it's, it's a lot of money that they're already losing. We just don't see it because it's, it's not coming out of our pocket. I'd just like to uh, jump in real quick and uh, tell Jaime that he's an uncultured heathen. Uh, <laughs> a stadium with a racetrack is very iconic, okay? You little shithead. Estadio Olimpico, all right? Seoul. Um, the Stade de France. The, uh, the Olympia Stadium in Berlin, okay? Estadio Olimpico in Roma, all right? Ibozo. These teams, these, these places with the racetrack, it's... Yeah, I mean, the, the fans are a little further away from the action, but it's an iconic look. Um, it's part of history, and I believe it gives it a, you know, a very, I don't know, like a grandiose uh, spectacle to it, personally. Having been to Seoul a couple times, I think it's, uh, I don't think it's a good thing. You know, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool, and, and, you know. There's a lot of stuff going on in the sidelines, and the play, you know, the players and the coaches definitely walk back to, you know, towards the stands and say hello to the players. I don't think it's uh, doesn't seem like it's you know that far away. I mean, I don't know what your idea is. You want the damn fans right on top of the players, you know, like at the old Anfield, or um, I'm sorry, the old uh, the Highbury Stadium where Arsenal would play, and like you're taking a corner and fucking all the maniacs are throwing beer on you. I don't know, man. I prefer the uh, 
players to be a, a little safe. It's my two cents. Yeah, and then you got to build like a moat. Like a lot of stadiums have a moat where if people try to jump, they like fall to their death and stuff and the fences. <laughs> but it is yeah. it is sort of I get I get his point because you see Toluca. He's in a moat. <laughs> well, that is sort of a moat, Sweet man. It's like guys. A, it's like a cement. Just got I mean, my weed delivered. Let's let's take this podcast to the next <laughs> consciousness. So, so yeah, you didn't, you didn't hear the oh, the insults thrown at you by by Ugo over here. You must have left. I, no, yeah, I uh, oh, you got, you went get... to go get my weed. Oh, okay, I got delivered. What a time to be alive! Oh man. Hey man, say no, say no to that stuff, man. Forget it. <laughs> Delete that part. Out <laughs> what? It's it's uh, CBD, man. Chill, guys. It's the medical. Wait, didn't didn't the Coliseum have a racetrack? Yeah, they took it out. Oh, they took it out. I thought I was going crazy. Kind of boring, I feel. The racetrack. No, but I always like Toluca Stadium. The Coliseum, man, and Azteca del Norte, those games in like the mid-90s, they were very fucking awesome, man. I remember oh, yeah, it being an were. awesome experience. 20 bucks. And like now, like, yeah, dude, and like, I remember, like, okay, so, you know, real quick, you know, people always ask, like, oh, why do you root for Mexico and why not the U.S.? I'm like, because when I was a kid, no one rooted for the U.S., you know? My dad rooted for Mexico. My uncles rooted for Mexico. All the damn kids on the block rooted for Mexico. No one rooted for the U.S. I remember going to games, and there'd be, like, literally, like, a couple dozen U.S. fans, you know? Like, it was like you could count them, you know? And it was just, I don't know. I didn't care about them, you know? And... So now it's like when I go and I see like all these like you know like uh, it's still like seventy thirty for sure, but it, you know try to make some noise and do some little dumb European chants at us and I'm like shut up because United States of Central America. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I guess you guys can delete all the my uh, racist uh, banter. <laughs> We're still going. Is it? We're still recording. We're, we're still, well, we're not live anymore because YouTube hosed, but I've been recording uh, locally. Oh yeah. So if you if you, was, uh, we had okay, a few listeners that were trying to figure out why it just stopped. Yeah, it cut Can off uh, when you talk about Michael Moreno and how Chiki was hiding behind a closet or something. Yeah, I don't know. YouTube is man. YouTube changed up their thing, so it's it hosed up a little bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm recording right now locally on my computer, so I, I'll upload it to uh, uh, the podcast tomorrow. What you need to do is clap, and that's when you know when to cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, cutting takes time, so I don't know if I'm going to cut out all your little uh, CBD comments and who. No, I mean, rant. I mean, like right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're still we're still going. Um, I guess if uh, there are any more highlights or things you want to cover for these next coming up games, did you I guys think already she... do predictions for? Not not or oh, for the coming up games? Not really. I'll give you mine real quick. I think Chivas. I think Pue- Puebla's disappointed. Pue- Puebla's disappointed, so I think Chivas takes that. At less. We usually uh, only do it for like the the big games. The big games. The I big think, games. Uh, I mean, there's only. Obviously... 20 teams or 19 teams. <laughs> yeah. Not that bad. No, I know, but most people aren't really going to watch. Most people so, are going to pick two or three games to watch. 
So and Chiquis has Chivas over Puebla. Yeah, I think Pumas can tie Tigres. And then uh, what's the other big game? What about, uh, Atlas Santos, super leaders. Oh, Santos is going to take that. Not only super leaders, but under, under the same management um, or leggy team. Santos is going to take, should should take that, should be able to handle that. Well, they're going to be in uh, Estadio Jalisco, so they're going to be on the road for the first time. I think comparten puntos. I see a draw there. Draw, yeah. And then with Chiquis, I see another draw. Pumas, Tigres. What about and, uh, uh, Monterrey León? Oh, man, that's a good one. I can see Monterrey and, and getting handed. If it's, if it's true that that uh, Monterrey coach, forget his name, that he lost the locker room, aquí le tienen la cama, dude. Diego Alonso. Yeah, Diego, yes. Yeah, man, if that's true, you can see the players will right here. They'll just, you know, and and a bad defeat, and he'll be on his way out. What about hot take there? Bucetich said that uh, Memo Ochoa is a step down in quality, that America should go with uh, Thiago Volpi instead. Ouch. Damn. Oh, damn. That's... Oh, man. That surprises yeah, me to hear him say that. That's a, that's a, that's a Thursday night hot take. Bucetich <laughs> taking shot. Yeah, man. Those are fighting words. Wait, what? He said that? He said a step down from Marche to Memo is significant, and they should go with Diego Volpi. Queretaro's old goalie, who I think he's at Sao Paulo right now. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's Brazilian. Speaking about Brazil, sorry to random, but the, uh, Danny Alves, he's uh, he's going to Sao Paulo. See, Danny Alves, that's a cat that uh, uh, Mexican soccer should try to get, you know? He still well, has a lot to offer. He's going to he's Brazil. A charismatic figure. Right, but I'm saying, like, America should go after these kind of cats, you know? Still he doesn't want to go to Mexico, bro. He doesn't know anybody in Mexico. He's ready to party his balls off in Sao Paulo. But, you know, I think it was cool that we were able to get him. That was cool. Gentlemen, a great uh, great show here on the Cantina Mex podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Joel, for joining us. Chiquis? Oh, always a pleasure, Jon. Always fun. And uh, for uh, Jaime Landeros and Joel Aceves, and Albert Campa, my name is John Jagu. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, we are available to you all on, on a variety of uh, podcast platforms. Uh, you can download us on whichever one of those you choose. Uh, so thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys again next week.